Welcome to the podcast for Icon Church. We are a Seattle-based community that believes all people are icons of the invisible God, made in his image to reflect his glory and grace. Hey Icon, Justin here again, and we are still on video. Uh, I hope you're doing well, I hope you're safe and healthy, and that your life hasn't been disrupted too much. Uh, before we get into the message, I want to give you a couple of pieces of uh, information for our, from us, uh, but just some encouragement as well. First thing I would say is, uh, don't do this alone. Don't do this time of social distancing and isolation uh, to whatever degree possible. Don't do it alone. So uh, obviously, if you have a family, you know, be with family here in the area. If you are single and you don't have family nearby, man, do whatever you can to connect with other people even if that's just digitally, uh, but utilize all of the opportunities uh, that you have to connect with people because this can become a really lonely time for us. To that end, um, you're going to be hearing about some things from us uh, that are going to provide some opportunities to do that, whether that's through community groups, uh, this home liturgy and ways that we can connect and do this together, um, and, and other opportunities that we have to serve our neighbors and to serve those in our church who are most negatively affected by the coronavirus. So pay attention, if you will, to our emails that we're going to be sending out. Pay attention to our Instagram page, at uh, Icon Church. Uh, that, that's going to be how we're going to get information to you. And I think it's going to be really valuable during this time. So um, that's the first thing. Second thing is we had planned uh, for after Easter to start a series about peace and how to find peace in an anxious world. Um, one of the decisions we've made in light of all of this is to move that series up. So beginning next week, um, rather than after Easter, we are going to start a series we're calling A Rule for Life finding peace in an anxious world. And it's just kind of providential that this is what we were going to be doing anyway. So we're just going to move it up a couple of weeks because we feel like uh, if there were ever a time in our lives that we needed uh, to hear about how to find peace, uh, it's now. So look forward to that next week. We'll be rolling out a bunch of stuff on that, uh, again, via Instagram primarily, uh, also in our weekly emails. Uh, but for this week, we are going to continue in our series in John. Uh, so if you're uh, paying attention to this, go ahead and turn to John chapter 5. We're going to do John 5, 1 through 17. And it's just kind of, again, providential that uh, this week's message is about Jesus healing uh, a guy and about the power of God to heal. So um, let me pray, and then uh, I'm going to read the passage for us together. So bow your heads with me, if you will. Jesus, we, uh, we need you uh, always, um, but especially we're made aware of it in times like this. This is the, the great grace of crisis is that it peels back the veil of self-sufficiency. It, it, it strips us bare of any pretense that we can handle our lives and take care of things without you uh, or that we are actually in charge of our lives. So Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for the grace of revelation, of, of, of revealing to us just how much we are dependent on you at all times and stripping away the pretense of self-sufficiency. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would uh, lead and guide, that you would open our hearts and minds to hear your word for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, let's read John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. 
One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. So we've got this really unique story that's got a number of different elements going on. Um, and it's, it, it feels just a little too on the nose for this to be our passage in light of all that's happening with coronavirus. So uh, what I want to do in, in this short message is really press on us to apply this story to our immediate moment and to ask ourselves the questions that Jesus asks to kind of feel the weight of this story and the elements of this story in light of our specific moment here. So the first thing that I want to notice is in verse 7. He says to, when uh, actually verse 6, Jesus saw him lying there, knew he'd already been there a long time, said to him, do you want to be healed? That's That's a weird question for Jesus to ask this guy who's been sitting by a pool for 38 years, right? Now, a little bit of background on what's going on here. There's this pool uh, near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem that doesn't exist anymore, but years and years ago it did. And there was some superstition around it that people believed that whenever there was a ripple on the water, um, that it was because an angel had come by and with its wings like stirred up the water and that the first person into the pool after the angel stirred up the water would be healed of whatever ailment they had. Now, in reality, um, there was a, a spring, a fresh spring that would occasionally uh, kind of the water would, would shoot up from the spring and ripple the water at the top. And people just kind of built a superstition around this, so much so that literally, you know, dozens if not hundreds of people who were disabled in various ways would gather around this pool and wait. Many of them had family members or friends that would sit with them because if they couldn't walk, they obviously couldn't get into the pool. So the family member would pick them up and put them in the pool, try to be the first one in. So tons of superstition around this and this man, had been there for 38 years waiting to be the first one into the pool and as yet to no avail. Okay, so he uh, has been waiting for this moment. Jesus walks up to him, picks this guy out uh, among all of the people there and says, do you really want to be healed, right? Because before you stands a man who can actually heal you And when Jesus asks him this question, he doesn't even answer yes. He doesn't say, yes, of course I want to be healed. Who are you, man? Like, why would you ask me this question? He immediately gives excuses for why he hasn't never been the first person into the pool. So 
I want us to start by, by kind of posing Jesus's question to us. Do you really want to be healed? Now, most of us who are watching this don't currently have coronavirus, but we're all affected by this situation. And the, the question that Jesus asks isn't, as, as is often the case with Jesus, the question he asks isn't the question kind of behind the question, right? He's asking this man a question about what, what he thinks actually has the power to heal. And so that's the question I want to pose to us this morning, right? As, as we are dealing with the reality of this virus and its rapid spread and all of the consequences uh, that come along with it, I want us to, ask, to answer the question in our own hearts. What is it that we are actually looking to to be our salvation from this virus? What are we looking to to protect us? What are we looking to if we or someone we love uh, gets infected by the virus, what will we look to to be healed, right? Do we really want to be healed? Because if so, the power to heal that Jesus has and shows to this man is standing right before us. And especially as Christians, we believe Jesus has that power to heal. So I, I want us to reflect during this time, not just as you watch this sermon, but as the weeks stretch on, as this virus stretches on, what is it that you are reaching for in your moments of fear? What is it that you're reaching for when you, when you feel the anxiety um, that, that is surrounding this thing? Are you reaching for uh, measures like social distancing and sanitation? Or are you reaching towards Jesus, who actually has the power to heal? So, in the rest of the story, I want us to see a couple of things that are good news for us, and I, and I hope can be a source of peace for us, um, good news about Jesus's power to heal. So the first is in verse 7. The sick man answered Jesus, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm going down the steps, another before me gets in first. Um, this guy is not a good guy. Right? There's nothing about this story that paints um, the, the invalid, the disabled man, um, as a good dude. Right? He's got uh, all he's got is excuses to give to Jesus. He has no friend or family member who's been willing to stand by him and help him get into the pool. Once Jesus does heal him, um, there's no record of him thanking Jesus or celebrating. He just leaves. Um, when the Pharisees kind of jam him up about carrying his mat on the Sabbath, which was a violation of their Pharisee rules, not the Bible rules, but the Pharisee rules, he immediately shifts blame to Jesus. Um, then when he doesn't actually know who it was that, that healed him, and so he can't actually tell on Jesus or rat him out, um, once he does know, when Jesus comes to the man in the temple and says, hey, you know, make sure you don't sin, in, sin now because something worse may happen to you, which we'll talk about in a moment, he then goes to the Pharisees and specifically rats Jesus out. Like, this is not a good dude at all. So here's the good news in that. Jesus' power to heal is not dependent on our goodness, right? Jesus' power to protect is not dependent on our goodness. So um, in the midst of uh, a, a virus like this and a pandemic and all of the crazy that goes along with it, we can um, sometimes equate um, consequences or uh, hap you know, evil happenings like a virus to the way in which we act 
or what we deserve. And, and you hear people say foolish things like, this is the wrath of God poured out on America for this and that decision or poured out on parts of the world for their disobedience or their godlessness or whatever. And that's foolish, right? What we see here in the story is very clearly Jesus healing this man in spite of the fact that he's not a good dude, not because he's good a dude, good, a good dude. If anything, when Jesus heals, it, it, it reveals to us our fragility and our helplessness. It, it, if we have to be healed by something outside of us, it means we don't have the power to save. We don't have the power to heal. We don't have the power to protect ourselves. No amount of hand washing and social distancing is going to accomplish what Jesus can accomplish. So here's what we know. Jesus heals because he's good not because we're good. Jesus heals because he's gracious, not because we're repentant. Jesus heals because he loves us, not because we deserve his healing. Jesus healed this dude in spite of the dude. Like this is not a picture of a guy being healed because of how honest or how repentant or how needy he was. This is a picture of, of Jesus healing a guy because Jesus is great. So let, let's take courage from that and take solace from the fact that Jesus' power to heal is not dependent on our goodness, but on his. Number two, verse 14. It says, Afterward, Jesus found the man in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, um, there's a lot of question marks about what exactly Jesus was alluding to, and commentators fall on kind of one of two sides on this. Um, the first is that his physical ailment, whatever that was, and we don't know, but his physical ailment was the result of some sin in his life. Now, that could have been a consequence, right? Um, it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility at all that Jesus allowed some ailment or some disability to come into his life as a consequence for his idolatry is a way to kind of draw him back, to reveal his fragility, to reveal his sin. Or it could have been simple cause and effect. I mean, as, as silly as an example as this may seem, perhaps he was a drunk and one night got drunk, fell off of something and hurt himself and, and disabled his legs in some way, right? Like there are, there are ways in which our, our, uh, our disability or our ailment or our you know, viruses or whatever can be the result of the decisions we make, right? There's a natural cause and effect for those things. So it could be that Jesus is saying, listen, I healed you. Now don't repeat your past mistakes. But there's another way that, this, that Jesus could mean, and it's the one I kind of think is more likely. That Jesus is saying that his physical problem was nothing compared to what sin could do to his heart, right? And as we already talked about, this guy's not a good guy. He's already ratting out Jesus to the Pharisees, even though the guy just healed him, right? He's blame shifting his Sabbath violation to Jesus saying, hey, this guy told me to do this. It's not my fault, right? So I think it's a lot more likely that Jesus is actually saying, yeah, you know what? I, I healed you physically, but the reality is that the sin in your heart is a way bigger problem for you than, than the physical problems that you had. So here's what I want us to, to see in this. Jesus's power to heal is comprehensive, meaning, yes, can Jesus protect us from coronavirus? Absolutely. Can he heal us from coronavirus? Definitely right? But the healing power of Jesus doesn't stop there. And in fact, 
no matter how bad this virus gets, even if it becomes bubonic plague level disaster, it's nothing compared to the seriousness of sin's work in our heart. So let's not miss that, right? Jesus doesn't miss that. He goes, listen, I healed you. Great. But careful of sin because sin can kill you both physically and spiritually. So let's not let the fear and all of what's going on around us distract us from the reality that, man, more than anything, we need healing in our hearts because that's the center of real danger in our lives. Okay, number three, verse 17. It says, Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. So we're going to come back to this story um, in a couple of weeks and to talk about Sabbath specifically. But there's a whole issue going on here with Pharisees and Sabbath, right? You're not allowed to carry a mat. You're not allowed to do work. They've added all of these rules to what the Bible talks about um, in the Old Testament about Sabbath and how to honor God for the Sabbath. So they begin to get angry. The Pharisees do. The religious leaders get angry with Jesus because he's told this guy to pick up his mat on the Sabbath. But also, it was against the rules for Jesus to even heal the guy on the Sabbath. And so in, in the midst of this fight that they're having with Jesus, Jesus' response is pretty powerful. Let me say it again. He says, my father is working until now, and I am working. Now, what does that mean? Well, John explains this to us in verse 18, so let's keep reading. He says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now, this is, the, this is the key piece here. In, in ancient Middle Eastern culture, and in, in, in modern Middle Eastern culture, the, the son was equal to the father in terms of the power of his name, his rights as an heir to all property and wealth. I mean, that, to be the son, especially to be the firstborn son, was in effect to be the father in waiting, the patriarch of the family in waiting. So for Jesus to call God, Yahweh, his father, was something that no Jew would ever do because they understood that that meant he was equating himself to the Father, right? So when Jesus says, my Father is working until now and I am working, he is not only saying, listen, I'm going to keep working on the Sabbath because God keeps working on the Sabbath. God continues to hold the universe together on the Sabbath. God continues to make the trees grow and the sun shine on the Sabbath, which is all the work of God. And so if God continues to work on the Sabbath, I'm going to continue to work on the Sabbath. But, and here's what I want us to see. This also speaks to the larger work of Jesus in the world, right? So Jesus' power to heal is just a preview of his larger plan of redemption. So why is Jesus healing on the Sabbath? Because the work of God in creation and recreation continues unabated. The Sabbath doesn't cause God to stop doing what God does. And we'll talk about the Sabbath more in just a couple of weeks and what it is. But here's what I want us to see. That God's plan for creating and then recreating the world cannot be stopped by our sin. So these little moments of healing that we see Jesus do in the Gospels are actually like little teaser trailers of the larger plan of redemption and reconciliation that Jesus continues to do, right? 
So we can see that things like viruses and illness and death and disability of all kinds are, are obstructions. They, they're disruptions to God's plan for his world. And so we can identify them with our kind of gospel eyes to see, man, this is not the way the world is supposed to be. And so when Jesus heals this man, he's not just healing the guy. He's not just trying to provoke the Pharisees, though I think that's probably part of it. He's not trying to make even necessarily just a comment about the Sabbath and the way people were honoring or dishonoring, in fact, the Sabbath. But he's saying, listen, this is not the way the world is supposed to be. And so when I heal, when I protect, when I preserve, I'm giving you a taste of my overarching plan for the redemption of the world. So when we go to God in prayer in moments like these, that we should not just pray, God, protect me from coronavirus, though we should. But we should see that coronavirus and, and all of the ways in which we experience pain in the world are disruptions to God's ideal for the world. And so we can pray confidently, God, you don't want the world to be this way. You didn't create the world to be full of sickness and pain and death. So Lord, er eradicate this from our lives as part of your larger plan of reconciliation and redemption for the whole of the world. So if we're going to ask for healing from God in this one area, we'd better be ready to acknowledge that God is working in all areas. So all of the brokenness in us, God wants to redeem and will redeem because it is part of his largest plan. Okay, so to sum up, I want to, I want to sum up this message the way John sums up this story. If Jesus is God. Right? Like that's what we believe. That's at the core of Christian faith, that Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a miracle worker, that he was God. So his teaching, it's true that he was a teacher, but his teaching is the very truth of God. It's true that he was a prophet, but his knowledge is divine knowledge. It's true that he's a healer, but his healing power comes from this overarching redemption of the world that God is at work in. So we, as his followers, ought to actively follow him and entrust ourselves to him, right, um, in these kind of uncertain times. Only God has the power to protect, ultimately. Only God has the power to heal. So I would encourage us to, to be able to bear witness to the truth of the gospel as we understand it, so that in these moments where everyone around us is anxious and fearful, that we are not anxious, that we're not fearful, not because the virus is not bad, not because the virus is not powerful, not because it's not actually causing people, not because it's some propaganda or some ruse, or not because of that, but because Jesus is more powerful than the virus. That's why. So there is real danger, but at the end of the day, our provider, our healer, is far more powerful than any sickness, any illness, any disability, any problem is but a tiny fracture of the universe he created and the universe he is recreating even now. So let's find peace in that. Let's find solace in that. Not in hand washing, though keep doing that. Not in Purell, though keep buying that. But ultimately, may we find our peace in the fact that Jesus has the power to heal. He has the will to heal. He's healing because he is good, 
not because we are good, and because ultimately these, these little moments of God's provision speak to the larger plan that God has. And so we can find peace in that. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Icon Church. For more information, go to iconchurch.org.